first of all, he will around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. The thing you're doing, I mean, that family has a memory that's really going to be a, a family heirloom. Of really? course, of course. And, and, that's yes. why, and that's why I do this is because, you know, and there's a lot of people that are still to, at this day still still learning about. I mean, I'm still learning yeah. about uh, uh, Indiana high school basketball. You know, all this stuff that I uh, learned in the first two yeah. interviews with you, I, I had no yeah. clue about. So, you know, I thought I knew Indiana basketball, uh, but when, once I and I had a passion for it. But once I started this, uh, it's just been nothing but uh, uh, me learning about the game and also uh, passing it along to others who want to learn about the game. He was a big guy, wasn't he? Big, oh tall yeah. Guy. And if I'm, if I am not mistaken, I don't think I am. He had nine uh, NBA championship rings because you know he was uh, either assistant coach oh, yeah. or scout or stuff like that. So you know, oh, he, yeah. he was one shy of having a ring on every finger and two thumbs. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But, but no, this is why I do this, and I, I love chatting about it and talking about it. So. Well, no, I'm honored. I'm honored. I really am. I'm not just saying that. Yeah. Okay. So give me one second to do the intro, and we'll go from there. Okay, fine, Bill. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Uh, you can go to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. That's all one word, keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. And you can listen to over 100, and I think we have 175 episodes now, of uh, uh, interviews with those who played the game of basketball, who are from Indiana, uh, coached the game, uh, officiated the game, or, you know, were just have great memories from the game. You know, you're looking at uh, Kent Benson, Rick Mount, Gene Cady, and the list goes on and on. And um, uh, I was just chatting with the guests that we're going to have on today, and, and I do this stuff so that, you know, I, I record the past so the future can remember. And I love keeping the nostalgia alive so that um, uh, people who want to learn about the game can learn about the game. Uh, family, friends, relatives of these people that we interview, you know, once once they're not around or, or you know, that, that they're not forgotten. So I love doing this. So so please head on over to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive. Once I, like I said, once uh, it's all one word, keepingthenostalgialive.podbean.com. So with that being said, you can also go to HoosierHysteria.net. The link is there also. You can see um, some uh, fabulous photos and stories of, of this great game from the state of Indiana. Um, with that all being said, uh, we've already done two interviews with this gentleman, and uh, they were very well received. It's probably my third or fourth uh, most downloaded uh, shows with this guest that we're going to have today. Uh, he just recently did an article for, uh, I think, this upcoming uh, winter edition of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame magazine, um, and it's titled Springs Valley 58, uh, 1958 Blackhawks, the story of the team's rendezvous with destiny, and of course, I'm talking with the coach of that team, uh, Dr. Rex Wells. Uh, doc, uh, coach Wells, I'll come call you Coach Wells. Coach Wells, thank you for taking some time uh, again for uh, to help us keep the nostalgia alive and, and, and talking about this great game of basketball from Indiana. Thanks a lot, Bill. Uh, I'm honored to be on your show. 
You know, the interesting thing is with, uh, with this article you um, have, I, I love the one thing that I pulled out of it is that uh, you, you love to hold on to the nostalgia yourself. I do. I do. I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm, um, I'm going to be 88 years old, Bill, and uh, I guess I'm blessed because I can still recall a lot of the, uh, the events, uh, people, etc., that goes back some 63 years now. And, and you know, w- with that being back so far, how, tell us about the reunions that you have uh, with your team from 1957-58 and, and how much you enjoy going to those and, and, and what happens at those reunions. Well, uh, I, I guess... I, I think in the article that you that you have, I said something to the fact that I think on the first night of practice, when the new school was consolidated, uh, I, I honestly do believe on the first week of practice, getting the teams ready to to go and all, uh, there was a strong bond that was established, and I don't know that I'm sure we didn't you know, design it or anything like that. But there was a real strong bond of the team, the coaches. uh, And you know what? That thing carried over and over and over. And we just kept getting together about every 10 years, I think it was. uh, And we just wanted to get back together and share the memories and uh, think about what we had done and how – and we rarely, rarely, anybody missed those uh, reunions. And they were all in French Lick. And we usually would be staying at one of the resort hotels there in French Lick. Uh, and we'd have a banquet and we'd have people to come and speak and talk. It, it really was an exciting time. Still is. Still is. What are those, you know, I, I've been through French Lick, but... You know, and I have looked at photos of some of the resorts that are down there. Oh, yeah. And they they look yeah. fantastic, and I'm surprised that, you know, uh, my grandfather, who passed about three years ago, he, he was a big time. We went to Turkey Run State Park, McCormick's Creek. We went to Shade. Yep. We went to every park there was because he loved going to parks, and we would have picnics and walk the trails and stuff like that. And I'm surprised that I haven't made it down to – that area to go to one of those resorts and you always have that I, I have that perception of what they look like but my perception of what they look like and what I've seen online and people posting photos and videos it's a pretty though they're pretty outstanding uh, uh, places to uh, go and stay uh, Bill there's two get this there's two uh, I call them and I think I'm correct four or five star hotels in two little towns in southern Indiana, uh, one town maybe uh, 800 people, French Lake maybe 2,000, and these two hotels are filled up every weekend with people. You can't get uh, reservations on the weekend, especially in the summer and all. Uh, it's just an unbelievable situation in these two small towns with four-star hotels. It really is. And, and I, I told my wife we're going to have to make a journey and go down and, and stay for a weekend and just enjoy what's down there because you know uh, back in the uh, in the eighties I just thought that it was 
you know, wasn't all that. And, you know, and you can, you know, you know what I'm getting ready to say is that, you know, as you get older, you, you want to appreciate uh, things a little bit more and you wish, oh, you, yeah. and you wish you had that when you were younger, but as you get older, yeah. you know, so, so I need to make it down there and take her down there because those resorts look absolutely fabulous. Well, you need to go and there's the one hotel is called the West Baden Dome and the dome at one time years ago was, uh, designated at the largest dome unsupported dome i should say and that's what they call it because there's no support under this huge dome at the at the west baden hotel and if you decide to go you got to get a reservation well ahead of time because it fills up every weekend it's an uh, it's an amazing structure that you just can't believe that's in this small community it really is and of course french slick has a uh, hotel. I mean, it's, I don't know, I think it's 600 rooms now because they've added on to it. And of course, the the casino is there at the resort now. And lots of people flock in there from, from all over, from all over, out of state, Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, etc. Uh, yeah, a lot of people come to French Lick, Indiana. Coach, let's. I, I, in pulling stuff from your article, I don't want to ruin it for a lot of people since it's coming out, and uh, uh, we'll chat more about it as the interview progresses. But, um, and and I'm probably going to bounce around a little bit today, and I, I don't I don't think you'll mind. But tell me about signing and possibly playing for the Washington Senators, and and what was it? What was it like to kind of give that up and go into the service before you started coaching? Well, okay, um, you know, I I grew up uh, I grew up in a town that uh, loved baseball. Uh, going way way back, uh, I think I mentioned the article. You know, the Cubs they had their spring training there. The uh, Cincinnati Reds came there for spring training during the war, during World War II, because there was a shortage of uh, things, gasoline, travel, etc. So they did come to French Lick, uh, Indiana, and they had spring training. Of course, I was probably in junior high school at the time. And uh, but anyway, uh, when I, I and I went on to college when I graduated from high school, went on to Hanover College, and I played baseball at Hanover College for four years. And during my senior year, I had I, I guess I had a pretty good year and. I was uh, contacted by a minor league uh, scout for the old Washington Senator baseball team, and that was 1954. Well, prior, I had played at Jasper every summer for three three summers in a semi-pro league called, uh, the name of the baseball team was the Jasper Reds. And uh, we had, it was a great league, a lot of good baseball played, et cetera. So I played there, and uh, in 54, 1954, I did sign a minor league contract with Washington, and I was scheduled to leave in February for spring training in Florida. I think it was Winter Garden, Florida, is where it was. Well... Uncle Sam came calling that summer, fall, and uh, I was drafted. So there went my uh, 
baseball dream, I guess you'd say. I don't know that I could have made it. I might have, might not. But anyway, I'm uh, drafted, and then I'm in the Army now. So that's kind of how it happened. Now, I did play baseball in the Army, which was great, but uh, my career as a in the baseball world was pretty well shattered once I got that draft notice to, to leave. How did you stay positive or what was your focus on uh, not being able to play baseball and going into the army? Did, did you look forward to that? Do you know what, did you know what you were getting into? Did you know at that time you were going to be over in Germany? No, no. Oh no. Uh, Bill, you know, when you're drafted, I was, uh, 22, I was 22 years old, and I was drafted, and the first day of uh, Army life, they had us sit down, and we filled out an application, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, I don't know how it just happened, but there was a little thing on the uh, application, on the information thing, it says, uh, list some of your, you know, some of your awards that you had in high school, well, Unbeknownst to me at the time, I thought, well, I'll throw this in. And I said in, in, in the uh, information sheet, uh, signed a minor league contract with Washington Senators. That's all it was. That's probably one of the greatest <laughs> sentences I ever wrote on an application or because it got me a tryout in the Army to play army baseball and it also got me on tdy temporary duty in the summers and i played two summers of united states army 10th division baseball and i wasn't out marching 35 miles a day with a 40 pound pack on my back now now get that and, and and what was what was army baseball like? What who would you guys play? Was there anybody you played with that went on uh, to have? Well, a yeah. Uh, by the way, there was there was some outstanding baseball players, and and then when I got to Germany, of course, uh, you know there was bases around Germany, all over Germany. That uh, uh, and this was in nineteen forty or nineteen fifty five and fifty six. That was when I was in. But we would play teams around Germany uh, and it was very competitive and there was some outstanding baseball players. I'm talking about guys that had signed minor league uh, contracts or, and I, I don't remember some of the names, but I did play against former uh, future, I should say major league baseball players. And, and it was great. It was really competitive, really competitive. What what position did you play in baseball, or what? Other, I played what uh, I played uh, in, in college. I played shortstop and second base, and then uh, most of my army career baseball was uh, second baseman. Yeah. And did you feel? I mean, I'm assuming, uh, and this is stereotyping people in the state of Indiana. I'm assuming that you you were a Cardinals fan. Uh, you know what? I was really a Giant fan. I was a giant fan. I love uh I love Billy May or uh, Willie Mays. <laughs> now now while you were in the army and you were over in Germany, are are these some of the areas and some of the places that uh Elvis Presley would have been a couple years later when he went into the army? Yes. Yes. I, I think Elvis Presley maybe was in the army uh about the same time I was, yeah. 
Now, now, yeah. uh, now, uh, give me a little bit of rundown on this. So, when you is it a, is it a two year uh, uh, investment that you make with the army, and then there's the possibility of re upping? Is that how that works back then? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. I was drafted, and it was a two year deal. It, when you're drafted, now you could have joined. It was three year. It's three year if you joined, or two year if you're drafted. And uh, when I was in college, 1950 to 54, my draft board at my uh, county, they gave me a deferment uh, from being drafted during that period of time. And if I could stay in college and everything, well, you know, I was deferred until I graduated. And and then right away, you know, my number was ready to go because it, it was during Korea War at the time. And... Uh, uh, but that that's kind of that's kind of the way it happened, and I I was very fortunate just to be able to uh, play two summers of Army baseball. It was it was pretty exciting, to tell you the truth. What, what was your mindset while you were over there and in the Army? Did did you think you would actually have to go in and and and, and fight? In Korea, did you did you were you pondering what you were going to do when you get out? Did the time go by quick? Well, the time went by. You know, really, in all fairness, the time did go by quick. Uh, now, you know, when they call it TDY, temporary duty in the army, is when you're not doing, not playing soldier. In other words, what I'm trying to say, and. Uh, <laughs> Turns out that the little outfit that I was in, uh, they call it a platoon. Uh, when I would go back to the platoon that I was assigned to prior to the baseball season, uh, I wasn't receptive very well. I mean, these guys are out in the field in Germany, and it, it you know, they were out in the field and living in tents, et cetera, and marching, playing soldiers, what I'm trying to say. Right. Now, I wasn't playing soldier for about three three months in baseball, and you can imagine what my buddies were telling me when I'd get back to the you know the the game of playing soldier. They gave me a pretty hard time, really. So what's the process? Did, did you think about resigning up? What gets you back to uh, uh, what gets you back to Indiana? Well, uh, during during my career in the army I uh, it turned out that my father passed away in December of 1955 and I was given a, a, a leave of absence uh, to come back from Germany to his because he was very very sick so it turns out on my trip back from Germany he passed away he passed away, and I got back to West Baden, my hometown. <clears throat> I had a few days off, I don't know, maybe a week or so, before I was to return to my outfit, which I was definitely going to be returning. Turns out that about the, I, I don't know, I think it was around the uh, day or two before I returned, there was a, ba a basketball game at West Baden High School, and of course that was my alma mater my, uh, where I graduated. So I decided to, hey, I'll just slip up to the base basketball gym and watch this game. And I did. So I'm standing out on the stage of the, of the old school, and my superintendent came up and said, hey, 
I, I did hear you were home for a while. Uh, I was, uh, uh, when are you going back and et cetera? And I said, well, I'm going to be leaving in a couple of days. He said, uh, would you be able to come to my office uh, tomorrow the next day? And I said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, his name was Condred, Mr. Condred. So I did, and I walked in that office, Bill, and uh, sat down, and it right immediately he said, Rex, we're going to make a baseball or a basketball change, and uh, we would like to have you, if you're interested, would you like to come back when you're out? Of, you're going to be out of the army in uh, in first uh, of October, middle of October, and we'd like to make a change, and we'd like to have you this coach and teacher. So that's how it happened that I became West Baden High School's final basketball coach because that particular uh right after the season at west baden high the two towns french lake and west baden consolidated their high schools so i was the last basketball coach at west baden high school and that's how it happened that i became the basketball coach and teacher at west baden it was because that the superintendent and I met at the ball game, and he wanted me to uh, consider coming back. You know, they say that you're not supposed to talk about, I think, sex, politics, and religion. But yeah. what, how yeah. difficult was that, or was that wanted, the consolidation? Was it inevitable? No, it, wasn't, it was not inevitable. Bill, consolidation had been talked about many, many years before it actually happened. But, let's face it, people did not want to lose their basketball team, especially in small towns. They did not. And uh, back in French Lake and West Baden, going back to the 40s and then back to the 30s, that idea of combining the two schools had been talked about and talked about for many, many years, but it just did not materialize because these two towns are only a mile apart. You know, people knew each other from both towns, and when the old basketball season rolled around, the two high schools were highly, highly competitive. Now, really going way back, the two hotels with their barons of uh, the two hotels, they became very, very competitive too. the, the two you know, large hotels. This carried right over to the high schools and right over to the towns. And it just happened that in the summer of 1957, there was a group of people that came together. I think I got it in the article. It was a Citizens for Consolidation, I believe was the name of the group, young people, young uh, men and women came together thinking maybe that this was a good time to see if we could get the movement of consolidating French Lake and West Baden schools. Lo and behold, Bill, the vote did pass, if you can believe. They put a vote to the communities, and it did pass. And I had a theory, I've always had a theory that most people, I believe, most residents, French Lake and West Baden, 
in June of 1957, and that's when it happened, most people didn't come out to vote, frankly. But the people that did come out had been reading the articles in the paper, etc. They came out, and the vote passed. And the history tells us that it was probably one of the first, maybe the first consolidation in Indiana, by the way. Now, and you had you actually had a really uh, a good uh, 15 and 7 record uh, at yeah. West Baden. Yeah, we did. We really did. And by the way, the team that I coached, those kids, uh, four or five of those kids at West Baden, you know, became Blackhawks the next year. You probably knew that in the article. Uh, yeah, we did have a good team, and uh, we got hot near the end and won uh, three sectional ball games, and ended up in the final game of the uh, Honeyburg sectional in 1957. And we run on to Jasper, who had a great team. They ended up winning the sectional, and they even won the regional that year. So you can imagine what kind of team they had. But anyway, West Baden got to the finals of the sectional in 1957. And and it was a pretty big, exciting thing for a 25-year-old coach. By the way, I was only 24 at the time. But that, and of course, West Baden and French Lake dissolved their high school to to become Springs Valley High School. And I guess the next question you're probably going to ask me, well, you became the coach. Were you the favorite? No, well, we can talk about that because I really didn't think I was even close to getting the job. I'd only had one year of experience, and uh, <laughs> I ended up uh, I ended up not even – well, I never even applied. I didn't even think about applying for the job because – one-year experience, I thought, that isn't going to do it. So I went and enrolled at Indiana University during that summer because I thought, well, I'll go back to school and I'll work on my uh, administrator's uh, uh, certificate. And uh, I had not, Bill, planned, believe me, honest to God, I had not planned on being the Springs Valley High School basketball coach. So, So before you continue on that, what what was Coach Wells like during that fifteen and seven season? Was he were you were you just uh, and because of the consolidation possibly um, were you kind of kind of getting ready for what you wanted to do because you didn't think you would be the Springs Valley coach? Like you said, you know you went to of course you uh, enrolled in Indiana University, but were you still have coaching on your mind or? No, you know, I really didn't. I, I thought, well, you know, I coached that one year. It was exciting. Heck, you know, by the way, I did play uh, I did play basketball in the Army, by the way. Uh, I was a teammate of a guy by the name of Larry Costello. Larry Costello was an All-American basketball player at Niagara University. He came out of the Army. He and I were good friends in the Army, and he came out of the Army and played for Philadelphia, I believe it was Philadelphia Warriors or 76ers. Or, anyway, he played many years at, with pro ball. He later became coach at the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. He had uh, Oscar on his team. He had Kareem. Larry Costello was a teammate of mine in the Army. So, you know, I'm, I, was, I had a passion for basketball. Let's put it that way. And I played four years at West Baden High School under the great coach that I just loved. Uh, 
such a great coach. And I learned a lot of the my philosophy about basketball playing with uh, Larry and then also with my coach at West Baden. Uh, so I love the game and all, but going back, the French Lake coach had, I think, four years at French Lake and had a couple real good years, by the way. Can't remember his name. But anyway, I think you can see where me, I'm, you know, I'm 24 years old and, and I'm not even thinking about the new school and the school board asking me that I'm to be the coach. So I kind of got in my mind, well, maybe I could take my career some other way. I thought maybe at one time I wanted to be an engineer and all, but, uh, but I really did love to teach. That was a big thing for me. I really loved the classroom. I loved the, the interaction with the students, etc. But lo and behold, I signed a contract August the 1st, 1957, to be Springs Valley High School's basketball coach. Teach mathematics five periods a day, uh, and that's, that's what happened. That's what happened. Of course, you know the history now. The rest of the history. <laughs> uh, was there? Did you feel? Did you just feel like things were falling into place? Did you feel any animosity from anybody? Was it a? Was it kind of a, a, a surprise in in the uh, in the area? Oh, I mean, Bill, there was a lot of people, especially on the French League side of town, that said, <laughs> "I know, you know, you heard, you you heard uh, you." You remember the story or the movie Hoosiers where the the new coach sets down or he gets a little interview with the boys down at the barber shop. You remember that scene? <laughs> and that thing that happened with to me. I I never did get to the barber shop. I don't think. But anyway, I know for a fact that there was a lot of people said this guy Rexwell. He's too young. He's a young whippersnapper. Why did they ever hire him? He has no experience. He only had one experience at West Baden High School, etc. You just got to know that that was a real thing. It was definitely a real, a real issue. Being so young, I mean, you know, I'm only 24 years old. Yeah. You know what is? I mean, I, I know a little bit about the process in Indiana now, but what is yeah. the what is the process? in hiring a coach are are you under contract for the actual basketball team are you under the contract at the actual teaching at the school was there uh, amounts uh, a normal amount that you got paid for coaching could you have gotten a okay, larger amount or because because you were so young they got you okay. at a good price uh, you know bill the first thing that i when you ask that first thing about a young coach like myself you know what it is i'm affordable I'm affordable. I'm, you know, I, I think my contract was $3,800. And by the way, back then, when you hired, uh, signed a contract, you signed a, a one-year coaching contract. You didn't sign, uh, well, the fact of the matter is, the contract that you signed, that I signed in 1957, was just teaching assignment to be assigned later in other words you're going to be assigned a coaching job uh whatever 
and and it was there was no separate money. It was just one salary. Seemed me like it was around thirty nine hundred, thirty eight hundred dollars that I signed a contract. And of course, I was signed to be the basketball coach, you know. But uh, you, you want, it's only one year deal the way I signed it, you know, just one year. So, you know, with what we were talking about with, uh, you know, the uproar of this young guy who's only coached one year and, and all this, and, and we know what you did in 57 and 58, did, did as the 57 and 58 season continued on, that phenomenal year, did the, the talk about uh, or it being kind of a, you know, the, the talk of people who were a little bit upset about it, did that kind of diminish and die and go away? It did go away, and by the way, uh, first on that question, uh, really, the French Lake, uh, I, I really thought the French Lake coach probably would get the job, to tell you the truth, but you know what? I honest to God believe that maybe the, the season I had as the first-year coach at West Baden, the 15-7 and seven season, I, I guess that had some bearing on the, the decision to be made it just happened that French Lake that year did not have a very good season. So, you know, my 15, uh, 15 wins and seven losses with West Baden got to the finals of the sectional that year. That had some bearing on the fact they wanted me, I, I think you'd say, you know. So, so you're, you're 24, you're getting ready to have this outstanding season you're not much older than the players that you're coaching. Yeah, what, that is true. Is that a, is, did you, it, what, did it form like a fatherly thing, a brotherly thing, a friendship thing? How did your coaching style work right off the bat with those boys? Well, I don't think it was a fatherly thing, really. Uh, I was pretty, you know, I was in the infantry, by the way, Bill. I was in the infantry, and, then, you know, I was in pretty good shape. Uh, I came out. I, I could play. I could play with any of those guys on the team, and and uh, so I think they respected me pretty much. And I had this philosophy that we are going to be in the best shape of any team we play, and we are going to be in better shape than they are. And we're going to start tonight right away to be that away. And that's the way it went. All year, all year long with the Spring Valley Blackhawks, we were in terrific shape, and that's why we won many of our ball games in the last half of this or the last half of the game, last quarter even. Uh, and my philosophy was that we're we're going to be in great shape. Uh, they, I think, respected me. I'm sure they did because I could play, and. Uh, I did participate in practice, you know, with them, with the team. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't a big uh, uh, fan of trying to be a father or be a buddy. It was not a buddy deal. I can tell you, it was not a buddy deal. Uh, it was I'm the coach and you're the player, and and we're going to be prepared every night to compete. You know, going going back to that uh, Hoosiers, you know, thing with the uh, 
um, yeah. barbershop. Yeah. Did the players like welcome you? Did you think you was there a couple of weeks where they had to really get an idea? This guy knows what he's doing, or was it just a uh, uh, right off the bat you had you had control? Well, Bill, you got to realize that I had coached four, four or five, I guess it would be, right. of the Blackhawk team in West Baden High School. I had coached them at West Baden. Not only that, but those same kids I had coached before I went in the Army, I had coached them in their junior high years. Um, the, the superintendent had asked me before I left for the Army, he said, would you, would you coach these junior high boys before you leave for the Army? And I said, oh, I'd love to. He said, now, there's no money available, but, you know, would you do it? And I said, you bet, I did. So I coached those kids in junior high, come out of the Army. I coached them one year in West Baden. They go to Springs Valley, you know, when the schools consolidate. I think you'd say they knew me pretty well, okay? Yeah. (laughs) I'd say so. And then the whole idea was in town – is Wells going to have this same group of guys, and is that all he's going to have, just the West Baden boys? What about our French Lick kids? You, do you get the picture on that? Yes. And so, luck as habit, I think it was luck, uh, when we cut the team, the coach, uh, assistant coach and I, when we, you know, when we cut the players, we had to because a lot of kids right. came out. We did not, I'll repeat that, we did not say, you know what, we've got to have half, half and half. We've got to have half West Baden, half West French Lick. It did not happen that way. It happened about the abilities of those kids that came out when we had our our opening um, uh, invite for basketball tryouts. And as it happened... I guess destiny was helping us because we did end up with five kids from West Baden and five kids from French Lake, if you can believe. (laughs) We did. But it was based on ability, Bill, not on equalization between the two two towns. How how hard was that to to make those cuts? Was that was that something that it wasn't hard? It was not hard, really. Uh, now you you, you do have to realize that the West Baden and the French Lake kids, really, until they played the night of a basketball team, there was no friendship there. But after that, you know, French Lake and West Baden kids, uh, they were really, uh, they played together over at the college uh, court and all. Uh, I think it was in the book uh, about the uh, West Baden College, and it was a Jesuit college and the the jesuits were training for priests but they were young guys came in out coming out of places like marquette university university of xavier in ohio places anyway you know they played on those sunday afternoon uh choose up games with french lake and west Baden guys and it was very competitive but uh there was no animosity it could have been there was no animosity between the West Baden guys and the French Lake players. They immediately bonded together. And, uh, you know, thank God it happened because it could have been very uh, tough situation. Number one, on the 
Spring Valley Blackhawk team, prior year, French Lake guard, his name was Schmutzler, and the West Baden guard, his name was Pruitt. These two guys were the leading scorers in the county, in Orange County, and they were averaging anywhere from 18, 22 points a game. Now, can you imagine if if you could get if you couldn't get those two guys to play as a team and they wanted to be individual, can you imagine what kind of uh, thing we would have as far as team basketball? It wouldn't have been team basketball, I can tell you that right now. But these two guys, they put aside their prior glory, I guess you say, and they were terrific team players. They were team players. Uh, thank God for that, because it, it, you know, if one would have been wanting to be the big star or the other wanted to be the big star, we would not have had the philosophy that we're going to be a team. We're going to be a team now. And hasn't and has and today in the game of basketball, you don't find a lot of that. A lot of that still that uh, uh, teamwork or that that you know. Um, you, you know, don't, and, and it's and you don't. It's sad. It is sad. Yeah. And I always said too. I always said, you know what? Team rewards, and I proved that in, in the last year or, Frank, or the Springs Valley year. Team rewards are a lot more rewarding than individual rewards, because team rewards means that every one of the members on the team are worth something whereby only two or three uh, hotshot players on a team, they're the only two that's getting any, you know, any honor or any glory. But if we're playing team basketball, and, of course, if we're winning, all the members of the team are going to be rewarded, and they're all going to buy in to the team basketball. You know, I I see that that all all times today. Two or three hot shots on a team, you know, it's all about them. Exactly. It's all about them. You know, uh, not to uh, continue to uh, reference, uh, we're, we're, doing, uh, we're doing free advertisement for the movie Hoosiers and for the two resorts down in French Lick. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah. you know that uh, there's a scene where Gene Hackman, which actually it's very interesting today, is uh, Gene Hackman's 90th birthday. Yeah, but, you're right. He yeah, is. I knew it, that. Yeah, but uh, you I know that, that you know that part where he's like, "Welcome to Indiana basketball," and he walks out onto the court. Yep. What was your feeling like during that first game, and especially with the consolidation and everything? Did was it? Uh, what, did you have the jitters? Did your team have the jitters during that first game? And of course, we know well, you won I it. Well, I tell you, I tell you, Bill, that's a great question because I want to tell you we've talked about it. Paul Radcliffe, the center on that team. He lives here in Fort Collins. I hired Paul as assistant or the athletic director of the high school. I was principal for many, many years here. But we're we're here today. We're both retired and we get together, et cetera. But look, the first game was Shawswick, and Shawswick is a really had a terrific program, uh, rich history of tradition at Shawswick High School. Great coach up there, uh, Coach Fortner when he's living, but. That was our opening game in French Lake. We're going to play Shawswick High School. The old gym at French Lake seated, I don't know, 1,800 seats or so. No, no, maybe not that many. Let's go back, maybe 1,500. Well, anyway, 
uh, it was a big crowd. Everybody was going to come out, West Baden, French Lick people, and we'll see what happened here with the Blackhawk team, blah, 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 you know. Well, Shawswick had it in their mind. They came to embarrass the new, the new school. There's no doubt. They came down to embarrass the new school. Well, <laughs> game started, and we're all pretty excited, you know. Let's face it, brand new school. We jumped out to a lead, unbelievable. Well, I'm sitting there on the bench, and I'm just saying, oh, my God, look at this. We jumped out to a lead. We did not let up. We beat Shawswick, the first opening game, 55-40, to 40, if you can believe. Well, that set the stage for the next game when we went to Jasper to play this great Jasper team that – that had beaten West Baden in the finals of the sectional the year before. And, uh, by the way, it was a really close game for a while. We had played four games that year, and Jasper had only played three. And But anyway, we go to Jasper, and we're the underdog because of Jasper being a school that had the tradition, you know, the colorful back uh, past of their teams. We go down there, and... Lo and behold, uh, it was, as I remember, and it's in that article, I think we were uh, we were playing really close the first three quarters, and finally we we got the momentum and won the ball game. That's the bottom line. Well, here we're now 2-0, and and we've beaten two good, really good, top-notch, powerful basketball teams. Now, question. Ratcliffe and I talked the other day, and we were saying, what if we had lost both of those games and came back and had a couple games that we didn't do very well, and all of a sudden uh, were two, two, two wins and eight losses that first year? <laughs> I don't think uh, consolidation would look very good at the time. Do you? You're correct. I doubt. In fact, the matter is, I think, I think in my little article I said something to the fact that after we were six and zero, consolidation began to look better and better to the <laughs> residents of French Lake and West Bay. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been that way if we were if we were two and nine. I don't think it would have been that way if you know what I mean. Right. Well, how did uh, how did the fans how did uh, while you were at Springs Valley uh, how well did uh, you guys travel? Did uh, a lot of fans go to most oh, of the, yeah. try to get well, into most they, of the games? Hey. Hey, you know that you know the story there. There's nothing like a winner. Uh, they got they got on they being the West Baden group and the French Lake group. They got on the bandwagon after about five games. By the way, uh, Bill, they uh, fans came dressed in their prior school colors. French Lake was red and white. They they came the fans in their red and white uh, outfit, their sweaters and all. West Baden was purple and white. They came to the game with their purple and white uh, outfits. I'm talking about the, the alumni of the two high schools. And about the fourth or fifth game, the fans began to wear the Blackhawk colors, which was black and white, uh, gold trim. And I remember the team was really excited, and so was I, that finally the the fans, the parents, and the fans of the players, they begin to, in a, in a sense, tell us, "Hey, 
these old uh, these old uh, rivalries are beginning to lessen now, and we we've accepted Springs Valley as the new high school in the valley. So, you, you know, those things just I remember that so well. Uh, the players would say, "Hey, they they're coming with our colors now." Well, it didn't happen that way for about the first four games. It did not. You know, with with two thirds of your life basically in Fort Collins, um, yeah. isn't it amazing? Yeah. Isn't it amazing no. the, the the love, the passion, and the memories that you have for that other third of life in the state of Indiana? Well, what can I say? I'm getting co- choked up here, Bill. <clears throat> you said it right. You said it exactly right. You know, it's amazing. It is. I guess what the amazing thing is is I can still I guess I can still recall uh a lot of what happened that season, you know, still. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and, I said and you know a lot of uh there's a lot of 6 degrees of separation with a lot of uh, interviews I have. There's I can go, you know, like for the interview with Rick Mount. Uh Oh yeah. He he came he came into the athletic director's office. Gene Ring uh, was the assistant basketball coach under Branch McCracken for a while. Yeah. He actually played under John Wooden for a while. So, you know, yeah. uh, that that was my in with uh, uh, getting um, Rick to be on the program. And I, I was really? think, I, yeah, and I was thinking that today was that, you know, it, it was a different era. But uh, my basketball team, my senior year, we went 26-0. and Oh, wow. And so, you know, we had a perfect regular season at 22 and 0 and Was and, that at Broad Ripple? Yes, it was. And Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and we uh, I just I just oh, knew Oh, wow. What I time, just, what year? What uh, year so, was that? So, my freshman year at Broad Ripple High School, we made it to the semifinal and we played Newcastle and they had Steve Alford who scored 57 points and went 25 for 25 oh, my from the free throw oh, line. Oh, my goodness. But we were youngsters at that time and our team just got up to the point when I was a senior. We were 22 and wow. 0. We we won the city. Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the teams that we played, like the Richmond Red Devils, uh, uh, you know, other teams that we played, just weren't at their power peak that they have been in previous years. So, you know, there wasn't yeah. a, wasn't a lot of talent that we played, but we did. You know, ended up uh, uh, being a really good Gary Roosevelt team at the end of the year, and we were 22 and 0. Uh, we won wow. the sectional. We made it to the uh, regional final, and we lost to Warren Central, who uh, was led by uh, uh, Jeff George, who went on to become a professional uh, NFL player yeah. at quarterback. Oh yeah! And so I was just yeah. kind of—I was just kind of—I know it's a, a different era, but it was kind of a—I was just kind of—I always think about some things before in my show prep, and and I was just kind of uh, of, of thinking about that. But uh, in in reading yours and in reading, of course, we have to talk about uh, uh, you know the Valley Boys, the story of the 1958. Springs Valley Blackhawks by uh, Timothy Wright, who just does an outstanding job. But I yeah. tried, I tried to find something that was six degrees of separation for us, and and that was that was my attempt. Well, that's a great, uh, that's a great commentary. I think you know, uh, at the at the halfway market of, of the '58 season, we were nine and zero, um, and I know that in my mind, I, I thought, you know, we. We really do have a pretty good, a very good basketball team. We're nine and zero. Uh, the the gyms were filling up. You know, when we'd play away from home, it'd be a full crowd. It would be a sellout crowd. Uh, but then the second half, we begin to get into some real 
real tough ball games. Uh, uh, Providence, we played Providence High School in New Albany, and and that was a tough competitive game. We played Shawswick once again in their home. Uh, we played some really good games uh, the second half. Uh, we got down to the last game of the season of all things. I don't know if I've told you about this, but the last game of the season, we were playing Salem at home. We're 17-0, and hadn't lost a game. Well, it turns out that the French Lick Hotel Resort they had planned a huge party. I mean, it was going to be a party for the whole community. And it, the guy that planned it had an idea to have a an ice sculpture, about a six, not six foot, about a four foot ice sculpture of 18 and O set on the table for this big party. Now, I don't know if you can get the picture or not, but he had done that before we played the last game, okay? So we played the last game, and it was Salem, Indiana, and they had a very good team. And we, we the gym was sellout, standing room only, uh, and we were just playing pretty average basketball. Salem was winning, practically, in other words, for about the first three quarters and a half, and we're down eight or nine points as we go into the fourth quarter, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, and I'm sure everybody. Turns out that Springs Valley put on one of their great uh, last quarter surges, and we end up beating Salem by six points. I remember so well. Uh, 68 to 62, I think it was. And now we had preserved the 18 and 0 record undefeated. Uh, everybody went to the hotel after the game and had a great time. Can you imagine what it would have been if we'd have lost that game by 10 points? Can you just imagine what that would have been like? I bet there wouldn't have been 15 people show up at the French League party. I'm serious. I am serious. Coach, what's it like for you to have players that have played for you that have gone on to be inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame? Well, that, you know, that is a big, that's such an honor. I can't, I can't begin to tell you what an honor that is, you know, really. I, I guess you know that recently Jerry Reynolds, and I think you told me you had a, uh, an interview with Jerry some time ago. Is that right? Uh, that's right. I, I couldn't get very many words in, but he's a hilarious storyteller, that's for sure. Oh, he is. <laughs> he, Jerry, uh, Jerry's very entertaining. Oh, I coached Jerry his last year in high school. Did you know that? Uh, no, I did not. That's why I, 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 I thought that was a possibility. That's why I wanted to ask you that question. Well, Jerry, Jerry was a senior uh, the last year that I coached before they appointed me as principal of the high school, French League. Jerry Reynolds was on a basketball team, uh, and we had a pretty good team. I think we won 13, 14 games, uh, but didn't do well in the sectional, and we thought we would. But Jerry was a member of my trigonometry class, of all things, and uh, he was a senior. And uh, 
I remember so well, I, I, I shared this with Jerry the other day when I talked to him to congratulate him about being being honored in March coming up. And I said, Jerry, uh, do you remember the time when you would, uh, you'd come up to my desk uh, when we'd have some uh, time to work on your lessons and on your assignment? And you'd say, hey, coach, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah, Larry, or Jerry, yeah, what, what's your assignment? What's going on? No, he said, I've got a, a thing here I'd like to show you. And it was a basketball play that he would have drawn out. And he had the X's and O's and blah, blah, all of And uh, he'd say, well, let me explain what it is. The ball goes down the corner and it comes back in the side. And then it comes back here. And there's an X right up here at the head of the circle. I said, yeah, yeah, that's really good, Jerry. Uh, that play looks like it might really work. Uh, yeah. I said, oh, by the way, right at the head of the basketball circle here, there's an X. Who is that X? And he said, oh, that's me. <laughs> so Jerry had planned to work this play out to where he'd be shooting the basketball. Uh, and it was so much fun because he did that several times. It wasn't just one time. About that time, I guess I figured, looking back, I guess I figured that Jerry was going to make it big somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he has. And he has. And Coach, what's it, like I said a few minutes ago, you know, two-thirds of your life in Fort Collins. Um, it, does, a day, does a day go by, and, and I don't want to choke you up because I do this to myself, but does a day go by that you don't think about uh, your years back in Indiana or what you guys could have done differently to maybe continue your streak to 29 and 0 or, or, and, and, and how do you, are those happy memories or, or do you, are, are you, you know, tell me a little bit about that. Well, it's a happy memory. It's a, a, a terrific, uh, it's a terrific memory of once in a lifetime. That's a once in a lifetime experience. Uh, Bill, we, I mean, I'm just sitting here now, just really choked up. We walked out on that old Butler University hardwood, that famous hardwood Butler University, for a practice session the day before we were to play uh, Fort Wayne South, the day before. And uh, we had a practice to our practice session on the court, and of course we had gone down in the underneath the old stadium uh, to the dressing rooms was way down below and you had to climb the steps to get up to the floor. That was all new stuff to me and everybody else on the team. We'd, I don't think any of the players had ever been in the Butler Fieldhouse, let alone even playing on the floor. And I had been there one time sitting in the very best uh, last section of the crow's nest watching Jasper play Madison and beat them in a historic ball game as a senior I was and lo and behold here it was now I'm going to be sitting on that coaching bench uh, as a 25 year old coach in the Butler Fieldhouse now that's pretty overwhelming if you think about it not only that, our team hadn't lost a game. We had never put that, make that uh, uh, emphatic. We had never lost a game ever 
in the history of the school because we'd just been consolidated only about eight weeks before that final basketball tournament game with Fort Wayne. So we're 25-0, and zero, never lost a game. Fort Wayne, they were, I think they'd lost two games. I think they were 27-2 and two, probably. Uh, and they were the favorite, of course. They were the favorites with a seven-foot center. Tom Bolliard was 6-4-5. He was a great player at Fort Wayne, uh, the other kid, I forget his name, Danny Howell, I think it was. Anyway, these guys were six four, six five, and then of course Mike McCoy was seven foot. Now I have to tell you, Bill, I'm being very uh, philosophical. My our players and me, the coach and assistant, we never gave it a thought that we were going to get beat. We really, truly thought that destiny was going to be our ticket and that we would win the tournament. We thought we would beat Fort Wayne South. And we played the first half. We got down by, I think it was 11, 12 points, and it looked like it was going to be a rout, to tell you the truth. It really did, and I'm sure the people in the the stands thought, oh, my God, Springs Valley is going to just look terrible with this big team. And by the way, they were big. I could not believe how big they were. Come out the second half of the ball game, and we played terrific. I don't know. We relaxed. We began to think about how to be a good team. And we played them even. We played uh, the second half. Uh, the record showed that we, we had the same number of field goals, both teams, uh, they had one free throw more than we did, but we couldn't overcome that 11-point, 12-point first-half uh, uh, lead that they had. We had two runs, two momentums that scared them a little bit. I think there was three minutes to go. We had cut the we had cut the lead to five points, and it just looked like we might pull this thing off. It really did. It did look, look like it. But here again, uh, a seven-foot center is pretty intimidating. And that was the biggest high school center, I guess, is what I read in the history that ever played uh, at that time in 58. uh, The tallest center that ever played an Indiana high school basketball tournament game. Seven foot. Good player. He was. He wasn't a fluke, by the way. He was a very good player. Hey, he was Mister Basketball, 1958. So that tells you something about his skill as a, as a you know, as a big man. You, you know, I what? still think. I still think about it sitting right here in my little old office, thinking, you know what? And I've said this in the articles. Kind of stupid what I said, but anyway, I. I after uh, a reporter asked me as I walked off the floor up there that afternoon, uh, something to the fact that, "Hey, uh, coach, uh, what's it feel like to lose to a ball game, or you know, to lose uh, that game you'd never been beaten, et cetera, et cetera?" I said, "Well, I have to tell you, after winning 25 straight games and never having lost a game in the history of our school." Uh, I don't think we lost the game. I don't think you can say we were losers. And he, uh, I guess the reporter 
was trying to get a quote. I said, well, here's the way I think of it. I think the time on the clock just ran out on us. <laughs> and and he quoted that. And in my own mind today, I truly believe, hey, we didn't really lose the ball game. 25 wins in a row, no losses. The time on the clock just ran out on us, okay? Coach Wells, we've done it again. We've gotten over more than an hour of keeping the nostalgia alive. Can you believe it? it goes by fast. Really, I can't it? believe. It. I, I I can't believe it. It went like five <laughs> minutes. Really, really. I'm serious. I'm serious. What an honor. I I, I mean that sincerely. I'll say it again, Bill. It's really an honor for me to come on your show again. Oh no! It's a, it's a. I'm I I love doing this, and I I, I sit here. And I can't believe I'm sitting here in the, this seat in my little office, uh, chatting with uh, uh, you know somebody who you know it's not done very often in Indiana high school basketball. So I got a big trophy setting up here on the shelf. I'm just looking at it. It's a nice big trophy they gave me for being the Indiana basketball coach of the year, 1958. <laughs> but you know what, Bill? I'm only the custodian of this trophy. The real owners of this trophy belong to 10 young, would have been teenagers back in 1958. They are the true owners of that trophy. Coach Wells, it has been a pleasure. I, I hate to say this. No, I don't hate to say this. Um, <laughs> we, we need to probably do another one. <laughs> well, I think I think I think your listeners might get. I think they might get tired of old Rex Wells. You know, I have to tell you, Bill, I'm going to be 88. Okay. Now, if you're going to do another one, you better catch me because I, I don't know that I'm going to be able. I don't think I'm going to be able to do this again. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very fortunate to be able to recall a lot of the stuff, you know. Well, Coach Wells, thank you so much for uh, okay. taking your time. And uh, this is going to okay, be fantastic Bill. once again, and uh, I appreciate your time. Bill, thanks again. It's been an honor. It really has. <laughs>